Earth isn't going to just end itself. The four horsemen of the apocalypse are being summoned. War, pollution, famine, death. Who exactly summons them? Not my department. <laughs> ah, let's start the show! Because that is our department. Killing the chords. Welcome to Cord Killers, the show about watching the stuff you love, when you want, where you want, however you want. I'm Tom Merritt, and this, in fact, is our department, Brian Brushwood. Uh, yeah, not only that, but we're back in our, our regular starship, man, uh, co-pilot to co-pilot. Last week, we did a little bit of a nutty thing, two of us doing a retrospective about all the stories of the last 10 it's years like of cord cutting. What's yeah. that? It's like time travel. Yeah. I, I mean, it feels like time travel. Like, was that just a week ago? It feels I like know, a million seriously. years. It's crazy. Uh, really, it's kind of crazy that that was nine, ten days ago only. But yeah, oh no, we're back on the saddle. Uh, we got a new spoiler in time coming down the pike for you, uh, and a special guest joining us from AnimeCons.tv, Patrick Delahanty. How's it going? Hey everybody, glad to be here. Yeah, good to see yeah. you again, Patrick. Taking my time machine into your future. That's exactly from my past here. <laughs> oh, that's right. Oh, the, uh, that's back when the sun was shining. Uh, it's already nighttime <laughs> over here. <laughs> Those were some good times. Hey, we got we've got a, a quite a bit of anime news as we do almost every week these days, thanks to Netflix, uh, among others. So we'll be talking about that a little later in the show. Let's start off, however, with our primary target. Bloomberg reports that Apple is still trying to finalize deals with movie and TV companies to become part of its streaming video service, which we will hear about one week from today. Brian, Brian, your long personal nightmare. I don't know if it's a nightmare. Is it no. about to end next week? Are, are you kidding me? It's Christmas. It's going to be great. I mean, any Christmas that you've waited 11 goddamn years for has to be a great Christmas, right? It can't possibly be a hack job piece of garbage because we've been talking about it for 11 years. Now, the New York Times reports uh, more on the culture clash. We've talked about this before, where TV producers are kvetching about Apple. Uh, one, one new complaint in here being reported is that Apple is too controlling in how its products are shown. Uh, there's also more of the complaints that Apple doesn't communicate enough. Uh, Apple was resistant to mature content. We talked about that in the past. But here's what I think is really interesting about the leaks that are coming out ahead of next week's announcement. Apple supposedly, in last-minute talks, with AT&T, because of HBO and, and Warner and TNT, CBS, who also owns Showtime, and Lionsgate, uh, who owns Stars, about adding HBO, Showtime, Stars to the service alongside Apple's own originals. The deals reportedly needed to be reached by last Friday. Most were expected to have been signed. Uh, they still needed to agree on things like marketing and promotion and user experience. Netflix and Hulu are not expected to be available through the new service, but will, of course, have their iOS and tvOS apps. And Hulu right now does tie into the TV apps tracking, so it might be part into this service. They also don't expect to be launching a lot of the Apple originals. In fact, it's, it's questionable whether any will launch right with the service. So, Brian... I think when we and others have been thinking about this as an Apple Netflix replacement, we may have been thinking about it all wrong. Apple may be looking at it as 
a simplification of your life service that if you buy an iOS or, or an Apple TV device, uh, we will make it easy to subscribe and unsubscribe and forget about which app has what shows and just watch the shows you want, which is why they're trying to strike these deals with HBO Showtime and Stars because HBO Showtime and Stars are on the Apple TV. If I watch an HBO show, it shows up in my little TV app tracker at the top. The only thing that Apple would need to strike a deal on is if they wanted to have centralized billing and a centralized experience a la Prime Video where all of the videos are in one screen and you never have to be kicked out to the individual apps. Well, so if if, if I can, I mean, I mean, um, uh, uh, feigned outrage aside, I think that this is our long-awaited iTunes moment where uh, iTunes, if you remember back at the turn of the century, uh, piracy had really uh, taken the music industry for a ride. Everybody was panicked. Nobody had ever seen anything like this before. J uh, Steve Jobs comes swooping in, says 99 cents. 10 bucks an album, shut up, get in line. We already have these guys signed up. Now, he didn't have everybody signed up, but he had enough people signed up, and he had just enough panic that everybody got in line, and it ended up transforming the music industry. So the question is, do, is there enough people already signed on to create that gravitational well? To be honest, I think it's smart for Netflix to not turn over their data and not and to give up their user experience. I think it's uh, uh, smart for uh, Hulu to not want to do the same. Uh, but absent that, if they could get enough that they could credibly represent like, hey, this is the future of television. I mean, I think this could be their iTunes moment for video. And I think we're and, and I know I've been mocking them, but I think they have been wise to wait until everybody gets that television is changing and it's not going to be the way it used to be. And no, we're not dealing with the pressure of video piracy, but we are dealing with the sea change of most people, assuming that cable is no longer the way and we're looking for the next big thing. So it might be that they timed this perfectly. Uh, what, what say you, Patrick? Yeah, I've been hearing that Apple wants to do a similar sort of thing to this on the news and magazine side where you subscribe to their service and you get access to multiple news outlets. And I think this is the same sort of thing with video. They want to be able to rather than have everybody say, oh, now I have to pay for CBS All Access. I have to pay for uh, Disney Plus and I have to pay for all of these. You can just go to one thing for a greater price, but you still save money than the sum of the parts. And I, I think they want a cut of that. And that's yeah. why you're not getting Netflix in there because Netflix doesn't want to give up a cut. And Hulu. Netflix won't, doesn't even offer the subscription through Apple anymore because yeah. they don't want to give up that 30% or even the 15% after the first year. I, I think it's also interesting you bring up that news subscription because that will be the other announcement we expect next Monday, which is a service that lets you pay one monthly fee to get access to news articles from multiple outlets and then divvies it up uh, amongst the sources. I can see a very compelling Apple story to say, hey, Apple, uh, you know. Uh, devices are devices these days. They they all kind of look alike. You know what separates them? Services. And you know what Apple's really great at? Music, movies and TV shows, and news. You want one device that gives you the best access to all of those in a simple way? Check out our stuff. Uh, and, and I really think they will be emphasizing the simplification of your billing and, and the fact that people are like, yeah, 
I don't want cable again because they locked me in too much. I like the choice I have, but I don't like having to keep track of all of the stuff that I'm subscribing to. Yeah, I'm almost certain this is an effect of, uh, you know, you and I having spent the last 10 years, you know, dealing with the new future of, of, of balkanized um, video uh, consumption. But I've not yet gotten to that point when it comes to my news consumption. And I am deeply hungry as a consumer for an all-in-one, like, I'm tired of the New York Times, like, ha-ha, gotcha. That was your fourth article. You're out. You know, same yeah, with the yeah. Wall Street Journal and all that stuff. Like, I'm ready for cable for news. And and to be honest, if if you and I were less sophisticated uh, when it came to our video consumption, probably ready for the for Apple to come in. I mean, I actually I'm fairly bullish on on what this is going to look like. I think it's interesting too to to realize back eight years ago. Uh, Netflix video streaming, uh, what, what was it called? The, uh, the Netflix, Netflix instant player or whatever. Oh, that's right. Uh, Netflix instant. Yeah. Uh, it, it was, it's, it's gambit was we'll be everywhere. Do you, you got a, you got a, a, a half-assed, uh, MP3 player that can also do video that you're selling for 50 bucks on eBay. Great. Put Netflix on it. Uh, Netflix will be on everything. We will be a participant in everything. And now they are so big they're the one going, yeah, I guess that makes sense for HBO, but you know, we're Netflix and we, we have a much more valuable and, and huge worldwide audience. So it doesn't really make sense for us to be sharing that. They may end up being the one thing that is not part of similar services. And future. unfortunately, that's gonna be the right play for them for a very long time because they were the upstart. The upstart's job is to be wherever the man isn't, but now they're the man. And the man's yeah. job is to not even recognize that there's a competition happening. So I, 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 I hate to say it, but I think that they're doing the right thing for their shareholders and their position. And I do think it's important to to note that these Apple originals that, that we have speculated so much about the delivery of are probably just going to be, you know, free freemium items yeah, uh, and incentive items. They're like, hey, and if you also take part in our, our simplified television world, you'll get these cool originals that you wouldn't get otherwise. Uh, the only thing the only question that remains for me is, will they make them available in the iTunes store? so that you can buy them and watch them on other devices if you don't want to be part of this Apple service. Um, man, I, I, I probably I, not. Oh yeah. I mean, you're right. I'm, I'm with you, Patrick. It feels like they should just make them straight up originals and, and exclusives, right? Yeah. It, they need something to hook people. It's probably not. Well, a and, hook, and, and what are they going to make? 20 bucks in a taco? That, okay. You have to be on the Apple platform to see this thing. Yeah, I, I don't think they would make near enough money by putting it out to, to sell to the public. I don't know. I, I could see them splitting the difference and doing what HBO does, right? Which is like Game of Thrones. You want it when it's new, you got to get HBO. Uh, we'll make it available on iTunes a year later. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, if you want to buy the back episodes before the new season comes out. I could see Apple doing something like that because they are striking AirPlay deals with everyone. Roku, for instance, is about to get AirPlay 2, it seems like. We talked about the iTunes app showing up on Samsung Smart TVs. So it makes sense for them to want to put good stuff in there. Uh, and, and, and maybe that's the, the case is like, Hey, you want to get this stuff when it's fresh, you got to get it through our service or, you know, down the line, like a DVD release, you know, we'll, we'll make it available on the other platforms. And Apple did a Apple mute. The Apple music app was via on Android as well. They yes, were it is. taking yeah, subscriptions and, and you can, cause originally that was how they were going to, they were saying the rumor was that they would do video through Apple music, but that's probably not likely the case anymore. That was, that was years ago, but yeah, it, there's there's precedent. 
Uh, yeah, I'll tell you what I they should do. I wonder if they make an Android version of this service app, to be honest. I mean, I, 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 I would imagine that it's not the craziest thing. I would say that, again, in that same idea, they would do like a windowed rollout where it's like available right now on your mm -hmm. iPhone and eventually on other places. Who knows? Um, but if I can give a little bit of free advice, I mean, you know, not that we're experts, but I'm just Listen saying. Listen up, like, Tim. Another way you could do it is just say a dollar an episode. It's all we ask. Head on over to patreon.com slash, let's use an example, cord killers. Patreon.com slash cord killers. You could be, for example, one of the 1,360 beautiful bosses that we have that keep us loud, live, and independent. Uh, you guys have changed everything. Uh, Tom, it's finally time. We got to record a new Patreon video. Like, uh, yeah, you and I uh, look like, like wee babes in the woods. Ah, yes. Back in my 40s when I made <laughs> that video. Is it, that was back when you had more pepper than salt, huh? Yeah. Uh, that was not, uh, that was a much spicier beard. So, yes, uh, that's our next milestone for the Patreon. <laughs> Be sure to get in there and support us so that we can afford to make a new Patreon video at patreon.com slash cord killers. All right. Let's talk about how to watch. Okay, yes, Disney announced last Tuesday that its acquisition of most of 21st Century Fox will happen at midnight, well, actually 12.02 a.m. Eastern Time, March 20th. So that's f more than a year-long process. You can stop hearing me caveat like, they don't own them yet. As of March 20th, they're going to own them. At that time, the Fox Broadcast Network, Fox News Cable Channels, and the National Sports Channels will spin out as a new company called Fox Corporation. In fact, that happens March 19th, the day before the, the acquisition is done. Uh, Disney is in the midst of selling the Fox Regional Sports Channels as part of its agreement for regulatory approval in the U.S. And 21st Century Fox President Peter Rice will take over Walt Disney Television and co-chair Disney's Media Networks unit. Yes, that's happening. And Disney CEO Bob Iger told investors that sometime shortly after it launches the Disney Plus streaming service, it will house the entire Disney motion picture library. No more vault. Everything from the Disney animation archives will be there on Disney Plus. Okay, yes, and that's really cool. But the third of our three Disney pieces of news that I think I am most excited about is Disney has rehired James Gunn as director of Guardians of the Galaxy 3. Deadline says the decision was actually made months ago. They're just making it public. Guardians of the Galaxy 3 is in development. It has been pushed back from its original date, which had been 2020. There's no release date now. And James Gunn is still going to run Suicide Squad for DC. Uh, the producer of Aquaman, Shazam, and Suicide Squad, Peter Safran, says Suicide Squad is Gunn's first priority. They know about Guardians 3. They know that's going to be Gunn's next film. After that, they're fine with that. Uh, and Safran emphasized that Suicide Squad's a total reboot. For instance, Idris Elba taking over the role of Deadshot from Will Smith. Uh, Suicide Squad is scheduled for August 6th, 2021. So I think, you know, that realistically, Guardians 3 probably comes in 2022. Okay. Uh, uh, yes. Uh, you have arranged these suitably in order of importance, but before we gush all over uh, uh, James Gunn's rehiring, uh, uh, just, just over under, a little side bet. Um, uh, Song of the South? Song of the South uh, available on uh, Disney Plus. Listen, yes. man. If I was Sim wondering this too. <laughs> if, Simpsons pulled, if Simpsons pulled the Michael Jackson episode, 
I don't think Disney's putting Song of the South in this. I mean, but they, but they definitely are saying the entire back catalog. Well, that's, I think what that means is Song of the South isn't even in the vault. Got that's, it. That's in the basement somewhere. Like, right, they're just like, enough. that's not even part. Because they they don't pull Song of the South out of the vault every few years and try to sell it. Okay. It's, it's hidden. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. Uh, so if we're defining the vault as things they pull out from time to time to make all, all of the money, then you're right. Uh, the, the, the vault is gone. Uh, dude, uh, so, so, so meanwhile, uh, how excited are you, Patrick, about this James Gunn announcement? Very, as you know, my close personal friend, James Gunn. <laughs> as, I've been, I've seen your with. Twitter feed. I'm well aware yes. of how the two of you are BFFs. How is James? Is he doing oh, he's okay? doing great. Yeah, I knew about this months ago. No. Jimmy G. Um, <laughs> You know, I was just thinking a couple of weeks ago, like, oh, I haven't, he's not on, posting on Twitter anymore. I, I wonder what he's up to. I knew he had been working on uh, Suicide Squad, but I was wondering, like, well, what else is going on? Because I liked reading his Twitter updates and just disappeared. But then I saw this news last week and I was so excited to see that he's back because I didn't want anybody else doing Guardians 3. It just wouldn't be the same. Yeah, so I, I, I have two questions. One is pure speculation of one type. Uh, they're both pure speculation. That's all I do. Uh, but 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 pure speculation, column A, um, the decision was made months ago. How much of this entire journey has been theatrics up to and possibly including, I don't want to get no agenda on this, but like mm. up to and including even the firing because he was very measured in the wake of his firing, which makes me think that's how you would act if you had been given quiet uh, confirmation that is like, hey, we've got to put on a show here and uh, you just you be cool about all of this and and very likely everything will be fine later. Yeah. What are the data points that that don't fit that narrative? Uh, I mean, because you could, cer cer certainly he, he showed a very mature if you read his response yeah, at yeah. the time to being fired, he showed a very evolved personality. He gave a heartfelt apology. Okay, But he, the, the alternative explanation is he's just mature, right? Yeah, correct. So, correct. There, were, you know. there were reports that he had went in to talk to Disney several times about coming back. But then we never heard anything after that. And and I think that when I say like, what are the data points that don't fit that timeline? I don't know that Disney lets him go sign on to Suicide Squad. If, oh. If they're if they're, if they're saying, look, we just need to sideline you for a while. It'll be worth your while. We'll bring you back in a little bit. I don't think he goes off because that that's you know that's letting your your big Marvel director go do a DC film and and basically resuscitate. Uh, a franchise that that didn't look like it was doing so well in the, as far as talking about the Suicide Squad particularly. Okay, that is a they, very very good rebuttal. They also said that they were going to keep using his script for Guardians Three, which if they were going through this for theatrics, you'd think they'd say, "Oh no, he's totally out. That's the mm. end of it." But they wanted to keep that script, so they it seems like they wanted to keep that at least. So uh, okay. And, I don't know. Yeah, no, I, I'm with you. I, I think you guys have convinced me. I, I would say that um, my, my guess is once he got work and once he saw once they saw evidence that he was not radioactive, they're like, oh, wait, well, could we just rehire him? And it's like, uh, well, yeah, I don't see any reason why. We, which brings me to my second speculative question. Um, is this are we seeing 
the the pendulum swing backwards from demonizing? I mean, uh, uh, you know, you're finding old tweets that didn't age well and 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 uh, kicking people out of jobs. I mean, it's hard to tell, but I think one important thing to consider when you think about this stuff is it's not one guy, Mr. Disney, who fired Gunn and then, you know, a year later, you know, I shouldn't have done that. I've changed my mind. The way this stuff works, and so many companies are going through this right now, is you have a group of people who say, yeah, this is bad, but we shouldn't fire him. And a group of people who say, yeah, this is bad. We should definitely fire him. And a group of people saying other things. And you have, you have, people arguing with each other until they finally figure out who has the authority to make the call and who's convinced by whom. My guess is that argument never stopped. That people like Kevin Feige maybe, just guessing, but I, I'm not saying I have a source or anything, but mine have been in there arguing like we should really just bring James back and just kept persistently arguing that until a few people who had been in one camp immediately after when they were so tense and, and upset uh, calmed down and said, you know what? You're right. Uh, this, this isn't as big a deal as I thought it was. Uh, let's figure out how to, how to, how to change this mistake. I go, I, I go through all that explanation to say like, that's how the, the pendulum swings. Right. And maybe those internal conversations are starting to move that direction. Yeah. Um, I, 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 I gotta feel like we're just in a different place. What was it about a year ago that they announced his firing? Over over old tweets, uh, like in a world where the new debate is about, uh, you know, leaving Neverland and about an ongoing multi-year sexual relationship between an adult and a child and and uh, and all, of, you know, what do we do with the music and stuff? It does sort of turned out like, wait, oh, we were upset about that a year ago? Like, uh, like well, and clearly also there's the, there's the heat jokes. Of, of the news cycle, right? The news cycle is focused on Neverland right now. That's the heat. That's where everybody, the people who are taking a longer term view may not be caught up in the Neverland thing as much either, but that's never the issue. The issue is like, what, where's the heat? And the heat about James Gunn cooled off a long time ago. And this is where we see like, you know, maybe there just wasn't, there was all, all light and no heat, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, well, regardless, uh, here's what I know for sure. Uh, talented guy, excited to see him back. Uh, uh, on the one hand, I am so thrilled that the guy who brought us Guardians of the Galaxy 1 is back. Uh, on on the other hand, I hear along with that, they're bringing the writer of Guardians of the Galaxy 2. So mm. <laughs> I guess you take the good with the bad. Uh, it's all the same guy. Number two is not as good Just, as number one. In case you didn't catch on. <laughs> it's not his brother who was in Gilmore Girls. Different guy. <laughs> his brother also in Guardians of the Galaxy 1. All right. Uh, let's... Move on and talk about what to watch in Under Surveillance. I like this tale. It's all about location, location, Under Surveillance. Uh, a couple trailers are out this week. Let's talk about whether we saw them, whether we care, what we thought of them if we did. A whole new Aladdin came out May 24th. I feel we have to address the fact that uh, Will Smith's genie character much more accepted by the general public than the first teaser trailer. Yeah, I think that's almost entirely a, a function of bandwidth. We were given more time with him. We were given just long enough to remind you, hey, world, did you forget that Will Smith is a talented singer, dancer, and funny guy? And uh, and we're like, oh, that's right. And and I think we all collectively breathed a sigh of relief. Uh, uh, what, what say you, Patrick? I, I watched that and I was just wondering like, if Robin Williams was still alive, would he be involved in the movie or would they still recast the genie? 
Because I... like with the Lion King, you've got James Earl Jones yeah, reprising yeah. his role. If Robin Williams is around, I don't know if anybody could see anybody else being. Because the so the, the one thing that this trailer shows us is that Will Smith will not always be CG. Sometimes he will be Will Smith. He will he will stop being uh, the blue genie guy and he'll just be a regular old human being. Um, I don't know that they have to do it that way. And if Robin Williams is still around, willing to voice it, they could have just gone full CG. And would that have made it worse? Or because one of the things that made me feel better about yeah. this trailer was seeing Will Smith and like, oh, yeah. okay, it's not always CG. Got it. Yeah, it, the trailer was great. Uh, uh, I'm just wondering when Disney's also going to run out of movies to redo. But <laughs> <laughs> I mean, well, now that now that they have a vault to refresh, or no more vault, nothing yeah. in the vault. Wait till that live action Toy Story comes around. Man. I was thinking live action Song of the South, but <laughs> <laughs> live action Toy kind. Story with marionettes or something and actual yeah. toys. <laughs> it's, oh, it's fun. Yeah, what is that called? Um, Super marionation. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, so the I will say uh, this is a minor minor point, but it matters to to a, a small significant uh, group out there. Loved the fact that this was released twenty one by nine. Looked amazing mm. on my ultra widescreen display and uh uh dude i'm i i I dug it it looked beautiful good uh, cool point um also uh tickets will go on sale soon you should all buy them in advance oh whoa 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 you want to disclose something here Merritt? you were whoa whoa over my disclosure I have it in the movie draft. Okay, good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, hey, uh, let's talk about the Avengers Endgame trailer. Uh, Avengers Endgame is a little indie movie for Marvel coming April 26th. Did you watch it, Brian? Uh, no, I didn't. And I'm just, it's its not out of, um, I, I'm not being protectionist. I'm not Jeff Kanata-ing. It's just that, that, that like the decision has been so firmly made that, that going out and deconstructing trailers brings me less joy than... Like, I will be thrilled when it happens to be in front of a movie that I catch, and it will feel like magic to me in that moment. But until then, I don't know that I need to watch it on my computer screen. Patrick, what about you, Patrick? I hate watching trailers, but I love watching trailers. I love seeing this and seeing little bits of what is yet to come, and I hope it's all from the beginning of the movie, because I also hate all spoilers, and I don't want to know anything about the movie. I want to go in knowing nothing. Like... Uh, Star Wars Episode Nine. I hope I don't find out the title until the opening crawl. I don't see any trailers. <laughs> I know that's not going to happen, but that would wow. be amazing. <laughs> I am very different from both of you. I love trailers. I love parsing them, watching them multiple times, looking for clues, and the and the detective game of trying to figure out what the story is going to reveal to me, and then getting to sit in the theater and watch and see if I was right or not. Uh, yeah. I find that very entertaining but i but i get I that that's it. not true for everybody I, I i hate it but i do that too i just can't resist so really then, we've got brian on the end of like don't want to do that patrick like ah i don't want to want to do it but, but sometimes I do. I do and then you and then you got me and right. that's how i ruined the movie it's like oh now i figured out exactly how lego movie 2 goes and, and i did Keep in mind, this is a universal debate. I mean, even in, um, uh, you know, every time we release a new episode of Scam Nation or The Modern Rogue, we have to have a discussion internally of like, okay, do we want to tip the ending in the in the title? Do we want to have a thumbnail that clearly indicates where this is going? And and there's that trade off. And I, when I'm feeling generous, I, the example that we always bring up or that I always bring up is um, uh, Thor Ragnarok, where it's like that trailer was all about the massive reveal that happens at the end of the first act. 
act. So you were robbing millions of people of the surprise of what character is uh, the collector's champion or whatever. But, but, but it is like arguing over cilantro because you find surprise to be the most important thing. My favorite store, taste. Yeah. Enjoying My favorite it's your favorite thing. Yeah. Uh, and, and it doesn't matter as much to me. I, 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 it's hard because and, I don't and, want to come off as like, I don't mind being spoiled altogether. Cause I do sometimes like sixth sense, et cetera. You know, uh, there are surprises I do want, but my surprise threshold is just set different. Well, and all. this is also, uh, there's a fantastic episode of a, of a podcast called under the influence from uh, CBC, the Canadian broadcasting company. Uh, 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 Terry O'Reilly does it. And he did a whole episode in the first season. Cause he's just releasing all the old episodes again um, about the making of movie trailers and how much is too much. And apparently like the cast really was upset in Castaway because the first trailer that was nothing but uh, uh, Tom Hanks washing ashore. Like everyone was like snooze, don't want to see it. And then they recut another trailer that was pretty much the entire movie. It's like, no, no, no. He goes to the island. He gets rescued. He comes back. What's it going to be like when he gets back? That's all third act stuff they get to in order to get you into the theater to even see it. So it's like, on the one hand, you could say, okay, you've preserved all the surprises and nobody experienced it because nobody saw it. So I, I could see both ways. I'm I'm a little less inflexible than, yeah. than I sound as we talk about trailers. Well, and it's also, I really think it's like cilantro. Like some people think it tastes like soap. Some people think it tastes delicious. There's no wrong answer or right answer. It just depends on who you are. Delicious soap. Yeah. <laughs> uh, sometimes trailers taste like soap to me. So, yeah. There you go. All right. Uh, coming soon, HBO screened its documentary, The Inventor, Out for Blood in Silicon Valley at South by Southwest Film. It's about Theranos CEO Elizabeth Holmes. The direct the uh, director of the documentary is Alex Gibney. Uh, Gibney has done takedowns of Scientology and Enron, but apparently, according to the reviews, here he just tries to explore how Holmes got away with going as far with Theranos as possible. If you're not familiar, Theranos was promising easy, affordable blood tests uh, for for general use without having to go into a clinic. And uh, it, it essentially ended up all being smoke. There, there was no reality to it. It was basically somebody recognized a niche that if somebody had a product, it would do very well. And what the uh, uh, it was a Ponzi scheme type thing where it's like, make the promise, collect the money and assume you'll be able to figure out a way to do it. Yeah, which which honestly is a uh, is a time honored Silicon Valley business model when you have smart engineers who say, yeah, by the time we need to ship, I'll have it figured out. Uh, turns out with medical tech, it doesn't scale like that. Yeah, no, that uh, that makes sense. Uh, also coming American Gods got renewed for a third season already. It like just premiered season two on stars, but uh, there's going to be a new showrunner, Charles Chick Egley previously worked on shows like Hemlock Grove for Netflix or the walking dead and Dexter uh, will now take over from Jesse Alexander, who was the showrunner of season two, who took over from Brian Fuller uh, and friends uh, who were the showrunners at season one. Uh, so yeah, more American gods. I might watch season two. I haven't yet. Uh, Patrick, uh, you watched it. Haven't seen it. Uh, All right. You read the book though, right? Nope. Nope. Okay. All right. Read the book. <laughs> yeah. uh, and Netflix is canceling one day at a time uh, after three seasons. This was the reboot that focused on a Cuban-American family. Uh, they say 
didn't get enough viewers, which is kind of eh, something Netflix usually doesn't say. A lot of times Netflix says, oh, no, it doesn't matter what the viewers are as long as we fill the niche. And it definitely has a vocal fandom out there. Uh, in fact, show creator so, Mike Royce says he's looking at other platforms to host more seasons. So maybe Netflix will save it. Oh, Rice is shaking so, his head. I'm so upset about this. This is this is uh, the same type of show as Kimmy Schmidt for me, uh-huh. where when it came out, I would just mindlessly like i would get through it all so quickly because it was it's it's oh i'm i'm very sad that this show is gone i hope someone picks it up um it's now specifically i mean there's the tragedy that it was canceled but then there's separately the fact that they put a public facing uh they hung a sign on not enough viewers yeah that their official twitter like they like it at Netflix posted like the this press release. Maybe they posted it at other places, but it is super weird that they put it there and they just said it was that. I mean, maybe it's, maybe they uh, were sensing that the folks who watched it, and of course they probably have metrics to show this, mm-hmm. that the people who watched it loved it deeply and sensing the backlash, they're like, We've got to give a reason right yeah. up front. Let's let's you do that old standby standby, not enough people watching. Yeah. And but it's I, hard yeah. when you've let people believe that number of viewers doesn't matter to roll that out as your reason. But mm-hmm. I can see both being true, where you're like just the number of viewers is not what we go by. We go by lots of things. And also it's hard to explain like this show didn't have any of the signals we look at because, well, we don't want to reveal what all those signals are. So you got to say something. Uh, I I will say if you are interested in the show, you can still watch it and and enjoy it. There are some kind of arcs over the three seasons, uh, but the end of the third season is close enough to being something that you could say oh, okay that's a fine that's a fine end of the show if if you mm-hmm. go in knowing there are only 3 seasons you'll not end it dissatisfied oh no no yeah okay. you you would have you would have a fine time and maybe that's why they did it maybe they saw you know this season finale that had a very light string that could have been the start of another story in another 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 season and netflix thought okay well that's good enough the fans won't be upset they got an ending and and we'll call it there, but I don't know. That's speculation now. I mean, I I just wonder, like, the, if uh, let's say Univision picks it up, uh, can does Netflix have a contract that says, oh, we we get first dibs at at, at the uh, syndication rights, or oh. could could they do like follow certain characters? You know, take two of the characters, and the two of them are living in some Spin other apartment. Yeah. I wonder if it's similar to because we've been talking we've been talking about the Nar- the Netflix Marvel stuff for so long and how that there's a a waiting period on those series and those characters i wonder if there's a similar limitation yeah, for anyone who who would buy it and they have to wait for all this heat to die off before they can start developing a new you know a yep. new take I don't know. Very interesting. All right. A few other developments. Slash Film says Disney Plus is working on an animated series based on the What If Marvel comics. Uh, the What If comics are one-offs outside of canon. So uh, what if Loki found the hammer that became Thor's hammer instead of Thor finding it and was wielding it? Uh, you know, that, that kind of stuff. This sounds like it could be fun. Patrick, Patrick, Patrick. Yeah. All right, all right, all right. Old funny duddy's underselling it. You, I, I assume you and I are on the same page. Yes. What if was one of my favorite titles, and and here's what I love about it is that what if was only possible if you already knew all of the landscape and could appreciate why it would matter if Loki found the hammer. If it would matter, what would happen if the Decepticons won? Uh, yes, I, I think that was a real thing. But uh, but but uh, likewise. Um, uh, I love what if so much that the idea of 
now that the rest of the world has seen and learned of the Marvel landscape the way we did as kids reading the comic books, finally we could bring them that gift of crazy mashup stuff. Plus, imagine all the uh, actors and characters reprising our favorite roles from their movies, uh, from their movie roles. Are you sure that they get the actors from the movies though? Because nope. they've oh, already oh, I have no animated idea. shows with voice actors uh, doing soundalikes. And oh, that's so I, right. I'm thinking they, they may just have, you know, Travis Willingham as Thor. But the Disney of... Plus animated stuff is going to have the actual actors voicing it. So oh, because it's okay. on Disney Plus, that might yeah. make it more possible. I don't know. Yeah, and if they're already doing some other animated shows, then they could Okay, yeah. Uh, but also I'm wondering what if what if takes other Disney licenses. So you oh, what if Star like Wars and Marvel yeah. in the same universe? Oh, what if that would be Skywalker great. Didn't turn? So, okay, so you get a season, maybe two seasons of Marvel What If, and then all of a sudden it becomes What If colon uh, Star what Wars. What if Luke Skywalker oh. meets Thor? Oh, no, no, no. I wouldn't <laughs> want to see that kind of crossover, but I would want to see, you know, what if uh, what if uh, 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 Uncle Owen had lived and just tagged along and, you know, he yeah. became better at the force than Luke or something. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, they could definitely spin it off to other properties. To, it reminds me of uh, Red Sun, the, the, the series where they did a what if Superman landed in the Soviet Union instead of the United States. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And and, and it great, was always uh, what if was always a you know one off anthology series and and they just picked it up assuming you know I think they would spend like maybe one page reminding you of how it's supposed to go and they're like but now what if yeah yeah all right uh, Netflix is partnering with more Japanese animation studios Anima Sublimation and David Productions for new shows uh, Netflix already has deals with Production IG and Bones uh, Bones is going to produce the 2012 Mark Miller Lionel Francis Yu comic book series Super Crooks about superpowered criminals reuniting for one last heist. David Production will adapt the Hiroshi Takashige and Ryoji Minagawa supernatural sci-fi manga Spriggan about a shadow war. And Powerhouse, the studio behind Castlevania, is going to produce a Greek mythology-based series called Gods and Heroes. Uh, Sublimation is also going to adapt the Capcom RPG Dragon's Dogma. Uh, Patrick, make some sense out of all this for us. <laughs> well, you're mentioning studios that... Uh... I'm not like David production. I honestly have no idea. Uh, I haven't seen any of their stuff, so I don't know and, and what they'll to, be doing. To put but, in perspective, Patrick knows a thing or two about yeah. anime, <laughs> but bones does great stuff. And so I have full confidence that their uh, adaptation of super crooks will be great. Uh, so I'm looking forward to that. Um, but uh, yeah, Capcom's uh, dragon dogma. I'm not familiar with that game. A so. weird, a weird game to pick. I'm gonna say from the yeah. video game perspective, not a huge franchise. To, it's a weird one to adapt. Maybe, maybe they have a, a plot or a a, a a conceit already set up, but a, a weird, a weird get, a weird get on that one. But I mean, if nothing else, this shows Netflix continuing to say we are not one thing. We are going to be all the things. And one of those things that is really popular is anime. And we're going to try our best to be a really important source for anime. Yeah. And it's not unusual for an American company to like Netflix to help fund the anime because the anime companies in the U.S. have been doing that for decades. Uh, it's a lot of the U.S. sales that help them produce more shows. And that's why a lot of the stuff that's popular here tends to get a little more attention over there uh, to produce 
produce more episodes or follow-ups. Or Don't forget Netflix is also over there. No yeah. matter what, yeah. where you're talking about, Japan, That's Korea, true. wherever, like Netflix is in all of these countries. And I, you know, I, I don't know all the ins and outs of these deals. Usually the stuff that happens in Japan, they either get a semi-exclusive or a partnership exclusive on at best. Uh, so I'm curious if these are originals in Japan that will only be on Netflix as well. Yeah, that's one of the questions that uh, uh, I, I don't know if any of us are qualified on, but I would love to know how credible uh, Netflix is when it comes to original anime over in Japan or how it's perceived, I guess, would be specifically. As a convention planner in the U.S., I do know that Netflix is a pain in the butt because oh. we you've, all the conventions have video rooms where they'll screen and nobody can ever get permission from Netflix to screen anything. They just – try to contact and it goes into a void all the other companies oh yeah yeah show a few episodes get people hooked and then they'll go home and get more uh Crunchyroll these, does yeah it, tech com- uh, tech but, companies just in general have have not uh have, are always a little behind on on actual human customer service yeah so it's it's been impossible for conventions mm-hmm. to get any permission to screen Netflix things. So I know you'll have to see it on Netflix because you won't see anything of this screened at a convention. Uh, the Hollywood Reporter says that Destin Daniel Cretton, you might know him from his work on The Glass Castle or Short Term 12, has been tapped to direct Marvel's Shang-Chi movie. Dave Callahan, uh, who worked on Wonder Woman 1984 and Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse 2, has already been attached to write the script. Uh, for the Shang-Chi movie. Uh, it's finally happening. My childhood dream has come true in that enough of the Marvel Universe is coming to life on the big screen that I now am encountering increasing number of characters that I don't remember reading when I was a kid. That's saying something, too, because you know a lot of these. I did. Uh, do. Still do. Uh, and then finally, Sony Pictures Television Chairman Mike Hopkins told Variety that they have several Spider-Man and Spider-Man adjacent television products in the works. He says, I think we aspire to have several shows in a universe that we create that can pollinate between each other, which makes me think when Marvel and Sony finally agreed to let Spider-Man show up in Disney movies, uh, that the deal was, we'll just let you make Spider-Man into a Marvel universe. If you just let Spider-Man show up in some Avengers movies and Captain Captain America. Movies. If it's a deal with the devil, it's a pretty good one. Glad glad they did it. The fans came out ahead, and uh, uh, I, I think that Sony's going to do A-OK, because that is a rich tapestry to, to, to pull from. A, uh, a rich web with which they can weave, <laughs> you might say. <laughs> Patrick, what say you, sir? Now, would these have to be live action shows? Because I thought that... Sony only had the license for the movies because I've seen the in, in the cartoons that Disney puts out. Spider-Man's yeah. in those. No, I, I, that's so, a great point. Uh, the implication here is these are live action. Well, and keep in mind it was a it was a Sony movie was was the uh, the recent end of the Spider Verse, and that was most certainly not live action, right? But it was a movie. Okay. So I don't I don't know where that line is drawn between Sony and Marvel because he's been in cartoons for marvel for a long so, time yeah yeah uh or maybe that was what they negotiated like hey let us yeah. do some uh, animated tv shows ourselves you know uh we'll let you have spider-man and captain america civil war uh for, I mean, for the record the 2017 spider-man tv series was produced by marvel animation okay yeah marvel animation being the disney company then yes yeah 
All right. Uh, let's talk about what we've had our eyes on lately. Patrick, what have you been watching? I've been watching a lot of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Not the documentary, the actual no. show. Oh, I've seen okay. the documentary, but I've been watching the actual show, and I think I've seen every episode that's on Amazon Prime twice now uh, because I have a 10-month-old son. Ah! And so uh, in the morning, I'll go downstairs and sit on the couch with him, and he just sits quietly and watches. He loves the trolley. Mm-hmm. And so it's bringing me back to my childhood because I watched all of these as a kid, and a lot of these, the earlier ones, I remember. The later ones, I don't, I've never seen. So, uh, but the, I've had to find more because I've gone through them all and I'm tired of seeing the same ones over. So I so, went so to, you find yourself our, in the weird place of going to the pirate bay looking for, for pirated no, copies. Archive.org. Really? Almost every episode there. So download them while you can before there's a takedown notice. That's great. They've even got the conflict episodes that only aired once or mm. twice or something that mm-hmm. deal about war, which... Right, right. Yeah, those are those are referenced in the documentary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I downloaded those, and I got to set up a, a network streaming so I can watch them on the Apple TV and keep uh, Caden entertained. Uh, but also, I'm excited about the Legend of Vox Machina, which is uh, last I checked the ninth largest Kickstarter of all time, and it's uh, 7.6 million dollars after only uh, two weeks. And it wow. still has a month to go. It blew past the previous record for biggest TV and movie Kickstarter started by uh, um, Mystery Science Theater. And this is just a bunch of voice actors playing D&D. And they're nice. making anim- animated series out of it. I think there are wow. two, eight episodes now. And oh, this is so the they're stealing the whole Night role. Attack thing where you just take the, uh, the uh, Night Attack tracks and make them animated, huh? <laughs> yeah. For seven point eight million dollars, <laughs> well, uh, we can all have dreams. Yeah, no, that's amazing. Uh, Brian, what about you? What you had your eyes on? Uh, man, it's been two weeks since we really talked about all this stuff, so I'm not entirely sure. Which uh, did did we talk about leaving Neverland? Or or you was did it? You okay? Said it was uh, hard. Yeah, great. Then then uh, that means I've watched the usual True Detective, The Office. I did watch Captain Marvel. Did you watch the Captain Marvel? Yes, I did. I watched it with you. Yeah. Uh, can, can we talk about it? Uh, did we already talk about it? We didn't. No, no. we did not. Yeah. No, because uh, so we, we watched it. it after we had already recorded the following Monday's yeah. episode. Okay, so we could do that uh, uh, in the spoiler in time. Meanwhile, though, I have to get... We, we, do we want to talk about Love, Death, Robots in spoiler in time? Sure or not. I don't have anything spoilery to say about it. Uh, the first three I found marginally entertaining maybe one of them i'd even call bad uh the other two were fine the fourth one i enjoyed the the fourth one in the series called suits uh about some high-tech farmers with uh mecha mecha suits and and invading alien bugs that that one was good uh but none of those and i've only watched the first four have blown me away yet it's really hot and cold it reminds me of (laughs) of the 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 golden or silver age of uh, science fiction short stories when they're publishing and you know amazing stories or whatever like for every good one there's like four you know and you can tell there's a lot of half-baked uh the writing is not great um uh, but the animation i think is fairly universally awesome and uh and and the place it takes me has felt really good. And weirdly, I've enjoyed I've enjoyed 
for example, the three robots story, I enjoyed much more watching with my daughter and watching it again with my wife or whatever than I did when I was watching it just by myself. I will say, and and I don't want to be uh, the old man saying that they should or shouldn't do a thing, but um, it feels, you know, in the vein of heavy metal or whatever, whatever, all of the nudity feels super unnecessary and and more importantly, unhelpful to the story. And mm. all of the cursing, I, I can't think of maybe but like two moments where it enhanced the story. It felt and all of the blood, it just it feels very gratuitous. And again, I understand that there's a place. for <laughs> no, that. I'm, I'm only smiling. I'm smiling right now because it's like I, I know exactly what Brian doesn't want us to say in response to this, uh, which, which, which is that we, I'm an old man. Right. Like I, yeah, I understand. Yeah. And, and maybe these are necessary ingredients to entice, you know, uh, uh, angsty 12 or 13 year old boys to, to watch them. your reaction is not. Why do they have to talk like that? No, no, it's no. more like, hey, I would like to enjoy this with my my daughters, but uh, a couple of them aren't really old enough to be able to handle this. Yeah. And, and for no and reason. That, and more importantly, it doesn't seem to advance the story. Patrick, have you right. watched these? No. I OK. Seen it. All right. Well, uh, yeah, no, uh, I, 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 I get you. Uh, I, I, I it startled me a couple of times, too. And I had to realize, oh, right. I'm watching Netflix. I, I guess it's it's not a big deal, but it didn't seem to be absolutely necessary uh, in well, a couple well, of cases. The, 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 the very predictable one where he the woman sees her own murder oh, at the geez. beginning. Yeah, that one. And I don't know if they thought they were being cute with their little symbols at the beginning, one of which was a snake eating its own tail. Like, like, mm-hmm. uh, like, uh, what, what did you feel like you were slipping something past somebody? It's, hey, it's like in that case was you don't catch on early enough. Yeah, it's, yeah. Oh, I, I, I felt insulted by that. But can I give my biggest, heartiest, most wholehearted, impassioned thumbs up to the sky and beyond for Apollo 11? It oh, sure. is unbelievably good. If you're not familiar with it, it's a it's a documentary from CNN documentary films uh, consisting entirely of of color corrected, uh, digitally enhanced uh, footage, including 70 millimeter prints or whatever from the actual Apollo 11 mission. And there's there's no interviews. It's a documentary with no interviews, no voiceovers, no explanations. You just spend seven minutes in the crowds at Cape Canaveral, seeing people buy hot dogs, overhearing conversations, seeing ladies who realize they're being filmed and cover their faces. And and you and then you see the giant tank treads pulling the Saturn V rocket over and you feel it. You're in the elevator with the with the astronauts as you go by story after story of this giant rocket. It is uh, I, I must have cried three or four times just for the immensity of what it took for so many humans to come together to do something so extraordinary. And the, the soundtrack does an amazing job of pulling this incredible tension. If, if you enjoyed First Man, uh, this is the perfect companion piece to it. If you never saw First Man, uh, good news. You don't have to. You can watch this and you can, and watch the you can be Neil Armstrong yeah. instead of watching him. This is one of those things that I've been waiting for. Uh, when I talk about there will be unexpected reasons you'll need to go to the theater. This is uh, one. That nobody has been planning for, and this is one of them. I don't want to watch this at home. I want to watch it the way you're describing, in a big theater that I could never afford to have in my house uh, so that I get the immensity of it. There was a couple of moments. I guess it's weird to call this a spoiler, but the tension is so real 
that they craft these moments that naturally would break the tension and you feel it and we burst out laughing because you just get through this incredible experience of the Saturn V rocket taking off and then casually Mission Control says, all right, well, the reports are coming in and uh, blood or, or uh, 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 pulse rate for Neil Armstrong was 109 beats per minute during takeoff and uh, Michael Collins is 104 beats per minute. Uh, Buzz Aldrin, 88. And then, and then you just burst out laughing, like, how are you 88 beats per minute in that? It, it was great. I, it's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. Uh, that's fantastic. And, and what, it, what that, that is what the, that, that is what this is all about to me is, is those kinds of moments. I was super jealous that Brian lives so close to a theater now, which didn't used to be the case, uh, because I would have scampered right across the street, uh, to see this. And I intend, uh, to find, to carve out some time to see it for sure. Yeah, definitely uh, see it in the theater. So good. The one thing I will add uh, to my eyes on is Star Trek Discovery. I know I've talked about it before. We've talked about it from time to time. Uh, They did a thing two weeks ago where their previously on was entirely from the pilot episode with Jeffrey Hunter, The Cage. Uh, And I won't say even that saying that is a tiny bit spoilery, I suppose. Uh, But it was amazing. And every beat from that original series episode that they pulled out was delivered on. Uh, logically within the season's story arc. Uh, and I, I'm really enjoying this season uh, quite a bit. It's still not perfect, still has its, you know, it still has its its holes uh, here and there, but but overall feeling a lot more like Star Trek and uh, without being spoilery, having stakes, uh, having having some stakes that I did not expect for them for them to deliver on. So so good stuff. Right on. All right, let's talk about what you're on the lookout for, Bryce. Hey, we got an email from Dave who kind of uh, gave his own take on Love, Death, and Robots. He says, hi, Bryce, Brian, Tom, and guests. That's Patrick. So I started and finished a series this weekend, that being Love, Death, and Robots, the anthology. While all 18 episodes are good, my favorite so far is Lucky 13. It stars Samira, Samira Wiley from Orange is the New Black. Uh, she's also in Handmaid's Tale uh, and uh, the Ryan Hansen Solves Crime YouTube show. Uh, it has some BSG and Halo elements, and correct me if I'm mistaken, but I I believe they show the serenity from Firefly in the hangar towards the beginning. Every episode is under 18 minutes, and I learned that Netflix doesn't ask if you're still watching uh, 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 by episode count, but by time. He, I guess, watched uh, like less than three hours in total, and it didn't ask him. So uh, that's from David from Fond du Lac, Wisconsin. Thank you, David. Hey, actually, uh, that brings up a really good point. Um, uh, The voice actors, there was a bunch of like tickling the corner of my brain. I'm like, is that J.K. Simmons? And Uh I press pause. And for the life of me, all of a sudden I realized how superior Amazon's X-ray feature is to, to, to I, I still don't know where all the cast is on Netflix. I love, like, all of a sudden I love X-ray. Yeah. Cool. Uh, not all of a sudden. You've been saying that for years, yeah, yeah. and I can't dispute it. Like, all it's right. pretty great. Yeah. But I mean, but all of a sudden I hate Netflix for not having X-ray. <laughs> this is the first. What am I? Uh, I have to pull out my phone and look at IMDb? I never, I, I could never I just, find it. I guess they don't have it in an easy-to-click-on thing. I just wish yeah. Amazon would let you hide it because that's the thing I don't like about X-Ray is I just don't like seeing it. I w- it's fine that it's there, but I want to get it away. I was able to – Three Robots was the one where I was like, wait, I know that voice, and it was the guy from uh, Silicon Valley. Right. Uh, and I, I, I found it on IMDb. I just looked up Love, Death, and Robots. Yeah. Uh, so Folks, there- if you got something we should be on the lookout for, email us, cordkillers at gmail.com. Now, Brian, tell yeah. us, what can we do for you? 
I, what, what, what do you mean? What, what can you do for me? What can you do for well, yourself? Well, because, you know, we, we do this show and, and we're supported by Patreon, but uh, but there are other things we could do to help you, Brian. We're just here to help you. What else can we do Look, to Tom, say we love what Brian does? I believe you want to help me, but what I want to do is help you help yourself. I want to make you the most interesting person in the room by teaching you awesome magic, which is why we continue to put out new content every week over at Scam Nation. YouTube.com slash Scam School. we got a brand new episode. One of the fun parts is that because it has been 11 years since I first started teaching magic on the internet, we get to go back and revisit some of our favorites that we have not done in a bazillion years. Uh, And the nice thing is we're able to do it in a tight, neat, nice format, get right to the point and get you guys the maximum amount of scammage in the minimum amount of time. It's all waiting for you at youtube.com slash scam school. Have you already redone stupid bar tricks? Uh, oh no! Uh, oh, we should we should actually get you and me, me and, and Jason. Jason. We'd have to get yeah. Kelly Sutton yeah, <laughs> away yeah, from whatever startup somewhere. he's working yeah. at. <laughs> That'd be great. That'd be amazing. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's move on to the front lines. Front lines. Netflix VP of product Todd Yellen told a conference in India that the success of Bandersnatch worldwide meant Netflix has a bunch of decision-making data now that will allow it to double down on the interactive format. And he said, it doesn't necessarily mean more sci-fi stories. Yellen said, could be a wacky comedy, could be a romance where the audience gets to choose, should she go out with him or not? Or should she go out with him or him is actually what, what he said. So I had a I had a thing that I put out to, um, uh, I don't know, a few friends. Uh, would you, if you could, and I'll do two versions. Imagine you could get YouTube Premium. All you had to do is turn on your, your webcam and leave it on and let it watch you watch them. Uh, but, or, absent that, would you let a Netflix show turn on the webcam, let it watch you watch the show, and it makes those decisions automatically? Would you do either of those? No? No. Netflix is not watching me. No way. <laughs> uh, Tom, what about you? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to skip past privacy implications and all of that and say, like, you know, let's say it's a secure situation where I don't mind people watching. Would I want other people to make the decisions based on watching me? I think I'd try it once. Might be fun. Bryce? No. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. I will just pay my eight dollars a month. Thank you. <laughs> no, I always cover up my my webcam for that exact reason. Apparently, apparently that's a, a, a smart practice. Uh, to wit, Netflix announced their next interactive series, You versus Wild, coming April 10th. Viewers will join survival person Bear Grylls on eight different adventures and make sur- decisions on how to handle various obstacles in the wild. Asked jokingly whether viewers could make choices that would kill Bear, Bear Grylls. <laughs> Netflix vice president of original series, Cindy Holland, said uh, she laughed and said that she didn't expect that You versus Wild to be as dark as Netflix's previous project, Black Mirror Bandersnatch. I do, I do think uh, all uh, on all of this, this idea of of uh, bringing the audience in and becoming interactive. This will be an interesting space to watch because with Bandersnatch, uh, you know, people had varying opinions whether they enjoyed it or not. But the upshot is Netflix said that was worth doing. We've learned a lot. Well, let's do more. It'll be interesting to see what they learned and how they improve on it. You know, and, uh, you know, even back on uh, Hacking the System, uh, now available on Amazon Prime, uh, the we, we would always at commercial breaks do the little quiz segments on there. And that you only had the smug satisfaction of saying, A, no, wait, C. And then whether it was A or C, you'd be like, I knew it. But 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 to add a little interactive clickable moment on there might have might have made that a little more more interesting. Yeah. 
Sony is adding its multi-picture mode to the PlayStation View app for Apple TV. It'll support four channels at once. That's one more than the View app on PlayStation itself uh, supports. Uh, the PS4 app only supports three. However... PS4 owners are getting the ability to add new programs to multi-view without having to start over, as well as dedicated news and sports tabs. Now, I do find it weird that the multi-view shows, um, it looks like a sporting event, a talking head arguing show, and a narrative piece of work, which Wait, I don't when know. When you say the multi-view, you're saying this particular article's clip Correct. Correct. Showing so, it, but 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 like very so, clear. Here's my point: is is the very, Sony provided uh, press image shows a sporting event, another sports talk show, and it's always sunny in Philadelphia. Right. Like like it, very clearly, it seems to me like the the primary function of this is you got four different football games. You want to track all of them uh, simultaneously because they're all live, right? Or if you want to watch yeah. away during a commercial when it's live and cut back and forth I definitely wouldn't put always sunny in my multi right that's a little bit weird <laughs> now, i might put a movie in there that i like i've seen before and enjoy like pop in during commercial breaks maybe i don't know back yeah. to the future 2 predicted this when he had all six programs on the screen that's true yeah. and the weather Fine. channel uh, AT&T is changing its channel bundles, and the cheapest one will now be $50. Existing customers will see a $10 a month price rise on their existing plans, and HBO will go from $5 a month to $15. However, under the new $50 a month plan, you can get HBO at no extra charge. A new $70 a month plan includes Cinemax and a wider selection of sports channels. Uh, uh, there was a bit of a, a kerfuffle about like whether or not people... Uh, should be indignant over over this price hike, right? Uh, some people had I mean, the impression that there you, wasn't going to be one. You can always be indignant over a price hike, and your <laughs> your your uh, recourse is cancel the service. I like. I don't think Directv has a social contract. Uh, to always provide you services at the same price might be in their best interest to do that. Uh, raising everybody, every existing customer's price by 10 bucks certainly isn't going to be good for retention. Uh, I, I think what AT&T is trying to do here is say, hey, uh, we can't afford to keep uh, pumping this thing out at a low price. Uh, we did a low price to try to acquire people, so now we're going to raise the price, see how many people we lose, and hopefully uh, we end up breaking even. But to soften the blow, we'll give you HBO at the basic package, which nobody else does. Because right now, DirecTV Now has gone from being one of the cheapest to the most expensive cable replacement programs over the internet. Uh, but they're the only ones that include HBO in their basic package. From AT&T, who would have expected it? Uh, NBC is going to launch its own free streaming news service in the United States called NBC News Now coming up in early May. It will have eight hours of daily programming with hourly live updates. Uh, joining CBS and ABC, who already in the United States offer similar free news services. Uh, I find this to be really interesting. You know, networks historically have offered news because it's a public service. Uh, for a while, it was a legal requirement that they were meeting. And and even after that legal requirement went away, they felt like it was important uh, to show themselves as good citizens to do this. And it's interesting to watch that become in the modern era. Hey, uh, we'll, we'll do a free app. We're going to we're going to spend this money on news because it's important to our image. Uh, and and so we'll be able to have a free app with streaming news that will more cheaply than Fox News and CNN provide a 24 hour news source alternative, especially for cord cutters. 
Uh, Patrick, do you think that uh, that any of these uh, services are going to be, uh, I don't know, fall into the trap of, 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 of being more partisan to one side or the other? Or do you think like uh, th- that oxygen has all been eaten up by the uh, by the cable news guys? As for the partisan, it's just going to be the same as their uh, cable network, MSNBC. So I'm expecting a lot of people to appear on both. So I would expect people to appear on both, Patrick, but I'd be curious if this ends up like CBS and ABC kind of have been being more newsy and less opinionated uh, as an alternative. Yeah, they say they're only going to have eight hours of daily programming. So that 24 hours, they'll cut it down to the, you know, the essential, the newsworthy eight hours instead of, okay, we got to fill all this time. So. Uh, PBS is launching an add-on channel for Amazon's Prime Video for two ninety nine a month. It will focus on new and library content across the food, across uh, from food, cooking, home, culture, and travel genres. Yeah, so this is not Victoria Poldark, uh, any of the the British shows that that you get in your PBS app as a PBS supporter. Uh, this is for people who I guess don't want to be PBS supporters, uh, but still love all of that uh, that nonfiction programming, uh, the, 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 the food stuff, the home stuff, the culture stuff, travel genres. I mean, there's a lot of that on PBS and for three dollars a month, I guess that I don't know. It's, it's weird to me, like if you like this enough, wouldn't you just donate to your local PBS station and then get all of this plus the other stuff in your PBS app? Maybe because it's on Prime Video, uh, uh, man, it becomes easier. I, to to be honest, though, it's uh, there. There is, um, uh, for lack of a better word, political slash ethical things where it's like, well, I don't want to support PBS because PBS, as an institution, supports this thing that I don't like. But oh, wait, it's just this subcategory. And you know, to be honest, like the only thing I watch on PBS is I I don't watch any of the kids stuff. But you know, I want to let's say I want to support Nova or whatever, and it happens mm. to be in here, then that might make me feel better. Um, in general, I'm I'm a fan of branching into very specific niches for everything, and this seems like that's making that money available to them anyway. Well, and it is an interesting tactic for PBS to branch out and say, you know what, we want to try to make some money that doesn't involve begging, uh, just just make some subscription money. I think that's a, a a positive path for them. All right, let's get to the dispatches from the front. <laughs> Nathan is someone who still prefers to own physical copies of movies and has started to buy 4K and is hesitant to access 4K versions of movies digitally because his particular uh, data service uh, limits the amount of data he can use. And he's worried about using up all that data. He says, hey, guys, I had a question regarding your discussion about Blu-ray sales declining. Does this include 4K Blu-ray as well? Nathan, the answer is yes. (laughs) However, I'm also going to say that doesn't mean that you shouldn't invest in 4K Blu-rays. Very likely that's a niche thing that's going to stick around for a long time. Also, when we talk about things declining, we talked about only one manufacturer stopping their Blu-ray players. You're going to be fine. And then the good news is by the time Blu-ray does go away, there'll probably be a very reasonable way for you to get access to that movie some other way. Yeah, and the one thing about data caps, because uh, we talked about this a little bit in, in last week's uh, flashback show, uh, when Netflix instant streaming came along, uh, the idea was ridiculous to people because they had a, a 250 megabyte data cap. Uh, they could watch one movie on Netflix streaming. No one will ever buy Netflix streaming. Well, it turns out data caps went up. Data caps weren't always pervasive. People found ways to avoid that. And the sucky thing about data caps, especially in the United States, is they're not universal. So for the majority of people who who don't have to deal with them or have very large ones, they don't matter. 
but for the people like Nathan who do, they matter entirely. And and you you've essentially got two different kinds of customer there. Yep. Meanwhile, Kevin Wrights is saying uh, why he still uses Netflix DVDs. He says, I watched 17 movies last month from Netflix DVD, costing me 20 bucks. If I did that with on demand, it would have cost $73 for 14 and $42 to purchase three unavailable to rent or $95 to red box all the movies that were available to do so and still purchase the other three. Also with Netflix DVD, I was able to lend half those films to my parents uh, to watch. Also love the show. Good work. I, I by the way, that's a really good point that Kevin brings up is the movies available on Netflix DVD are not ne the same movies that are available on on Netflix streaming. Yeah, but his point is that it would have cost him more not to use Netflix DVD, to which I say Netflix streaming is only ten dollars a month. What, and but, you could watch if it's only about bulk, if it's only about I could watch more than 17 movies on Netflix and give my parents the login. So I'm not other than like, oh, there's things I could watch from the DVDs that I couldn't watch on right. Netflix. Otherwise, I'm, I'm not sure I'm buying this. Uh, well, I, I think out. that was what uh, when I read this, I read this as these are titles that he was only able to do or would only in his situation have been able. to. He do never says that, though. I think yeah. you read and that into it. Which I'm a generous his, person. His Tom, argument better. I'm very and, and generous. Redbox has very limited selection. So. So probably not. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. well, Kevin's still my friend. You guys want to kick him out of the club. I say he belongs. I love Kevin. I'm just, it's, you know, I'm just trying to to figure out if I like his argument or not. You know, love the sinner, hate the sin. Uh, Rob wrote, not that he was sinning by renting. That was a good backpedal. Uh, Rob said, I normally hate clip shows, but I have to admit this one was brilliant. As someone who has been listening to Frame Rate and Cord Killers for many years, I really appreciate the walk down memory lane last week. Thank you, uh, Rob. Appreciate that. Yeah, uh, we also got from G says, I want to thank Tom for recommending Vicky and W. Fantastic. Uh, he says a bunch of really good things about your picks. Apparently you have impeccable choices, Tom. Yeah, so he's heard me talk about Vicky and W, uh, the Korean show about a comic book uh, that starts to suck people into its universe is the thing that got him to go over there and watch it. Uh, and, and that's great. Uh, I love W. I thought that was a great show. And he wants to know if I have any other recommendations. I've mentioned previously Nirvana in Fire is one that I'm watching right now on Vicky. So uh, if it's a wuxia piece, like martial arts period piece, different than W. Uh, but there's also uh, Memories of Alhambra on Netflix, not on Vicky, that is sim more similar to W if you're into that kind of thing. Uh, we got Yaru from Malaysia writing in saying, I usually consider myself to be a pro-disruptor, pro-democratic, screw protectionism kind of guy, and I am, but I am also a big fan of watching movies the proper way, i.e. in cinemas. As a result, I'm hoping Spielberg wins. I've always considered the cinema to be a mark of quality and the Oscars a cinema category competition. Again, like what was mentioned in the podcast, what if a TV movie worked really well? It wouldn't get into the Oscars by virtue of its format, and that's okay. The difference then is that it just so happened that the good movies happened to be in cinemas. Now, with TV stepping up their game, we have the potential to have two very good awards with different criteria. And he says, you know, maybe this will make the Emmys more prestigious. Didn't we already see this with the OJ documentary being uh, uh, given an Oscar and then them saying, no, it's six and a half hours. That's a miniseries. I think that was the Golden Globes, not the Oscars. Oh, okay. the, and the Golden Globes have TV and movies all together. 
Uh, man, I could have sworn uh, that it, that uh, the distinction was about whether or not it was a movie, but uh, but uh, that's there was a, there was an argument in uh, in in the Golden Globes about whether O.J. Simpson uh, deserved to be in the category it was in. I mean, he should have got never mind. Something <laughs> not O.J. Credit. himself, but the uh, documentary. Uh, uh, okay, hold on. O.J. Made in America documentary feature nominated for an Oscar. Yeah, so you're right, Brian. Uh, oh, that, I'm, I'm still remembering the, the Golden Globes thing, but that that does not mean that this was not also true uh, on the Oscars. And unfortunately, I forgot to write down uh, whoever sent this to me, but somebody sent us the suggestion for uh, for me to understand the Umbrella Academy. Uh, Brian, the key to fully appreciating the Umbrella Academy is simply this. Imagine it with the title Wes Anderson's The X-Men. And it's like, once I do that, you know what? Might be able to dive right in just as, as a Wes Anderson reimagining of it. Patrick Delahanty, thank you so much for joining us today and sharing your insights with us, uh, not just on anime, but with everything. If people want to follow <laughs> more of what you've got going on, where should they go? Uh, I do a podcast every week, almost every week, uh, called Anime Cons TV. And uh, I just did put a, uh, just posted a report from Gallifrey One. Uh, not one of our better reports because they don't allow video there. But uh, we do reports from uh, comic conventions, sci-fi conventions, and of course anime conventions, and uh, talk about comic uh, topics related to conventions. So check us out at AnimeCons.tv. So to, to um, get my mind wrapped around it, it says ele- episode one thousand one hundred oh five. That's not like season eleven oh five. It's season eleven. Okay. Uh, episode five. Okay, because yeah. I, I mean, I would wouldn't put it past you to have been doing this for that long. <laughs> We've done over three hundred episodes, dude, uh, including but, a, a, a and, very early episode with your, yours truly. Yeah, we're in the eleventh year right now. Wow, of this That's show. Amazing. Excellent. AnimeCons.tv, folks, check it out. Our website is cordkillers.com. Our email address is cordkillers at gmail.com. We're live on twitch.tv slash night attack, which is also carried on diamondclub.tv. Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. We'll cut your cords again next time. Hey, guys, Brian and Tom here, and it's just the same old message at the end of the credits, just like always. That's right, Brian. Nothing new here except your name showing up. Oh my gosh! Because I've you got a just name. supported us on Patreon. Yeah, all those five dollar donors. Look at that. That's your name in pixels. We're gonna make you famous, kid. Put your There's name in pixels on the internet. Classic names in there, but some of you are new. Some of you aren't there. It's sad. What can they do, Brian? I mean, they could go to Patreon.com/slash Cord Killers and pledge five dollars an episode to be one of these amazing people, like this be one. Amazing. Oh, look at look at that name right there. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs>